Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. Tony Richards, CEO and business coach here, and you're listening to the latest edition of our podcast, Better Than Before, and alongside my faithful sidekick, producer Bill. Hello. How are you today, sir? I'm good, thanks. Wonderful. We're going to have a good podcast for you today, as always, uh, stocked full of information. We're going to cover some emerging news topics that are going on in the world. And today on the show, I'm going to talk about positive psychology the science of happiness, and I'm going to give you the 10 secrets of happy people. That sounds great. It should be very edifying and beneficial for our listeners. I would think. Okay. Also, I want to remind you that we have a content schedule here at Clear Vision Development Group. Every day of the week, except Thursday, we release a new piece of content. So if you're not accustomed to the other things we offer besides better than before, on Monday, we send out an email to all of our subscribers called the Monday Morning Memo. And if you go to our website at clearvisiondevelopment.com, you can sign up there and uh, we will drop that in your inbox every Monday morning. And I try to publish content there that isn't published anywhere else. Monday Morning Memo is pretty cool. You should sign up for that. Then on Tuesdays, we dropped this podcast, the Better Than Before podcast, where we have special guests. Last week, we had the wonderful Sarah Hill on as a guest, and she put the virtual reality headset on me, and I saw stars, Bill, stars, and butterflies. That's so cool. Yeah. I wish we would have done it off the show, but in the show, and you were a witness to this, mm-hmm. Sarah got in my face. Yes, she did. And and got mean. And I just kind of looked at her like, what, what are you doing? And she goes, I've never seen that before. The level on your brain didn't move at all. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's from years and years of people not being happy with me and getting in my face. I'm, <laughs> I'm used to it. I, I've turned the external volume down. On Wednesday on our blog on the Clear Vision website, we usually have a guest author Uh, for a blog post. And so when we don't have somebody like that, we have one of our staff members write a blog post. Thursday, so far, we have given you the day off. You don't get a new piece of material from us. But I write an original, brand new, big idea blog post on Friday. This past Friday, I wrote the 10 essentials of being a good coach. 10 rules I live by in order to coach people to higher success. About a week ago, I wrote an article on the challenge of lost expertise. So when you have turnover in your company and somebody leaves, all the information, training, and knowledge that you've invested in them walks out the door. So that can be a very large hidden cost that may not show up on your balance sheet or your P&L, but it does show up in the value of your company on a day-to-day business, trying to serve customers and things of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. And we've all been in companies where we lost somebody from our team or in our department, and then everybody had to double up, and Mm -hmm. that's not any fun. So 
Right. It just really hurts productivity. So you need to think that through when you think you're going to have turnover, somebody's going to leave. And, you know, it's inevitable that people are going to leave unexpectedly for all kinds of crazy reasons. But it'd be best if you had that in your planning process where you can calculate and think about lost expertise and what that's going to cost you. So coming up, I'll get to the uh, positive psychology and the science of happiness in just a second. But first, a couple of news items that caught my attention. First one is, we've talked about this a lot on the show, the future of television. The race to own the future of TV is intensifying with mobile and streaming video companies looking to build or expand video services that will launch by next year. Billions of dollars are at stake for whichever company can win the attention of younger generations who are abandoning traditional TV in droves. The scramble is so urgent that now five new initiatives were announced yesterday within hours of each other, and over 60% of young adults in the U.S. say the primary way they watch television now is via a streaming service on the Internet, according to Pew Research. Only 31% say they mostly watch via cable or satellite. Traditional TV is not being replaced by one medium, but by a combination of video services across the Internet, most of which can be separated into two buckets. Mobile video, which is why I guess most people are looking down at their screen, Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting the other day. I, I went to the Chamber of Commerce uh, website for Columbia, and they took their chamber trip to Michigan. They had lots of pictures of the trip and everything, and every meeting I saw a picture. There's all these people sitting in a group with a speaker, and about 75% of them were looking down. Oh, that's funny. And only like 20% of them had their head <laughs> up. You can't see their phone, but you know that's what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So... One group is mobile video, and the other is subscription video on demand. Mobile video is typically shot vertically and tends to be shorter in length between 2 and 10 minutes and engages viewers actively through methods like tap or swipe screen navigation. And subscription video is filmed horizontally and is meant to be consumed passively on bigger screen sizes like TVs or tablets. And it's typically longer than just a few minutes, usually somewhere around 25 minutes per episode. Do you do either of those, Bill? Do you do um, mobile video or subscription video? Subscription, uh, Netflix. Yeah, we do a lot of subscription video. AT&T announced yesterday that it will launch a new direct-to-consumer streaming service in late 2019 based around their now-acquired HBO programming. None of these companies that are looking to own the future of television are TV networks. Only a few are telecom. Technology companies, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, YouTube, platform, yeah, which is owned by Google, they're the ones that are looking to upend the traditional TV. And as I think about it at home, we probably watch more Amazon and then number two, Netflix, Mm -hmm. uh, than anything. Same here. Yeah, I cut the cord, so it's just streaming for me. You did? Mm -hmm. So was that a relief to you or? It's been five years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're you're a liberated man. <laughs> so the devastation that is Hurricane Michael, the most powerful hurricane on record, hit the Florida Panhandle, left wide destruction, and I think the last I heard, eleven people dead. I just saw thirteen now. Thirteen, so a couple more, mm-hmm. and it's not done. It's crossing Georgia and is headed toward the Carolinas. They're still trying to recover from flooding from Hurricane Florence. Michael was the third most intense hurricane on record. 
in the continental U.S. Wow. Based on atmospheric pressure, both Andrew and Katrina were not as strong as Michael. Uh, This was the first Category 3 to hit Georgia in 120 years. Multiple experienced storm chasers are unable to articulate the scale of the damage around Panama City, Florida, where the core of Michael came ashore. One described it akin to a nuclear bomb. And he survived Super Typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines, which was a bad mamma jamma. Row after row of beachfront homes were obliterated by the surging seas and the howling winds, and only slabs of concrete in the sand are remaining. The destruction of communities along the white sandy beaches is being called catastrophic, and it's going to take billions of dollars to rebuild it. And that is a heavy spring break summer destination, Panama City. More than 900,000 homes and businesses in Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and both Carolinas were without power. Wow. And I don't say this lightly. I send my thoughts and prayers to everyone there in the southeast part of the United States. Hopefully you are safe. That's the most important thing. And you didn't try to ride it out. You got into a safe place and everything's replaceable but you. Yeah. Well, you know, after seeing those images, you wonder about the people that did try to ride it out. Oh, my gosh. There's no way to survive. Yeah. The one guy I saw on the Weather Channel, I was watching some of the coverage, and he said, if you've ever played basketball, he said, you can get a sense of the tidal wave height by a basketball goal. Something like 10 to 12 feet wave of water coming in. Yeah, it's about as bad as it gets. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you and I also are very familiar with last week's big stock market blow up. Mm -hmm. It's funny, a couple of weeks ago, I told Bill, I said, we're going to have a big sell-off in a couple of weeks because all the big stock traders need Christmas money. Yep, you called it. And I said, it's going to be 10 or 11%. They're just going to sell off all their profits from the year. And uh, boom, man, on Wednesday and Thursday, it was tremendous. 832 points altogether. That's a bunch. Yep. The third worst point decline in history. All 30 Dow industrials were in the red, but the main selling was in tech. And the reason for that is they've had the biggest gain, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're in the FANG stocks, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google, then um, you got a really nice nice chuck of change. And so they just took a bunch off the table and going to have a happy Thanksgiving and Christmas. (laughs) On the Friday after, it started regaining. You know, the bigger traders that move all the big money, they're going to push the market back up. And then we'll have another sell-off. And then they'll start rebuilding for the new year, right? I mean, because at the end of the year, that's when you take your profits. So there's going to be a couple of big sell-offs. But um, investors turn to shares deemed likely to do better in tough economic times, such as utilities. And there's a rotation out of tech and other growth stocks, been sparked in part by the recent jump in government bond yields and the Federal Reserve's interest rate increases. And because Thanksgiving and Christmas are coming. <laughs> Hopefully, though, you're smart. You didn't get out. You stayed in. No, I always let it ride. You have to become emotionally detached in order to make money in the market. You can't freak out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you can't micromanage it. I mean, you're sitting there looking at a negative red 10 or 15 thou, and you just have to know that it'll come back right. just over time. Okay, here's the big stat of the day. You ready? I'm ready. Stat of the day. The United States is the most expensive country in the world to give birth. Really? Yes. Maybe that's why you and I have both avoided (laughs) this um, thing. 
but most hospitals won't tell patients how much delivery and care costs until after the baby is born. And the average sticker price for childbirth in the United States, mm-hmm. $32,093. Wow. That's a lot. So if you want to have three kids, it's going to be a hundred grand. Wow. That's our stat of the day. I'm going to be talking about the science of happiness and positive psychology. What's the difference between the two? And how can you leverage it for you to live a happier, more productive life? And then in our last segment, I'm going to give you the 10 secrets that happy people use to remain happy people. This is Better Than Before, and we're brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here. This is our home. Which means we care for customers like we care for the community. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here. Been here. And we will always be here for you. Are you ready to up your game? Attend the Exponential Leadership Retreat from November 14th through 16th. In these three days, you'll receive personalized leadership coaching in a small group setting led by Tony Richards. Learn to communicate like a leader, understand your motivators, and differentiate yourself from your peers. As a business coach and consultant, I work with leaders every day to help them up their game and lead their team to victory. During this leadership development experience, you will receive the tools you need to unlock your potential. Invest in yourself and gain the same access to Tony that his C-level clients receive. Register for the Exponential Leadership Retreat online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. So we're back on Better Than Before, and this is the happiness episode. I want to talk to you about positive psychology and also the science of happiness, which is the overall umbrella subject that positive psychology comes under. What's interesting is that over the course of its history, psychology really was studying unhappy people because they were studying people who had issues and problems and anxiety and depression and trying to find causes and cures, but they didn't spend a lot of time studying happy people until about 10 years ago. That led to a new term being coined called positive psychology. It was originally brought up by, and and I've talked about this psychologist a lot, Abraham Maslow, who uh, created the hierarchy of needs. He also coined the term positive psychology back in the 1950s. And he sort of used the term loosely to call for a more balanced view of human nature and draw attention to human potentialities as well as psychological afflictions. In 2002, another guy that I have studied quite a bit, Martin Seligman, who's got several really good books out about being happy. He popularized positive psychology through his influential book, Authentic Happiness, defining it as a study of positive emotions and the strengths that enable individuals and communities to thrive. The science of happiness is the scientific study of what makes happy people happy. 
makes sense, right? And it was arguably launched by a Russian that I just don't know how to say their name in uh, the 1980s. And they pioneered the experience sampling method to discover what they called the psychology of optimal experience and specifically having the experience of flow. So did you ever have one of those days where you feel good and everything's clicking along and you're getting a lot of work done and it just seems easy and effortless? That's called being in the flow. And it's one of the most pleasurable experiences you can have where you're just like, man, I am kicking butt today because you're in the flow. And those days where you just can't find the flow and you just can't get in the flow is very frustrating because it just seems like, Nothing's clicking, nothing's going right. An interesting study to find out what creates that flow and how can you step over in it. So positive psychology is related to the science of happiness in a way because it's a subset within the broader field called the science of happiness, which extends to the natural as well as the social science. For example, positive psychology is largely focused on the study of positive emotions and signature strengths, and the science of happiness extends to such areas as the impact of exercise on the psychological well-being or the effect of social media on being happy. What's interesting to me, and I find this a very valuable aspect of certain people, is that in the face of every adversity, every problem, every challenge, they look for the good in it. They looked for the gift in it. They look for the blessing that's coming from this bad event. That is a skill to be developed. What it is, is it's shaping the story that you're telling yourself about what is happening to you. And some people tell themselves the story that I'm going to be better because of this. I'm going to learn something because of this. I'm going to be blessed in some way because I'm going through this issue. I'm learning a lot from this adversity or this challenge. While other people tell themselves the story of why does this always happen to me? I can't ever seem to get very far. Every time I, there's more month at the end of the money. Every time I try to save $20, I'm $20 in the hole. You know, there's that story that they're telling themselves. Here's another interesting thing, and this really affected me when I learned this fact. It's a term called hedonic adaptation. And the little thing that I always say about hedonic adaptation is even people in Hawaii go on vacation. And the reason is because of hedonic adaptation. So this is the human tendency to become satisfied in your circumstances. So when you get a brand new car and you wanted that car for a really long time and the first couple of weeks you have the new car, you're really excited, you're really thrilled, it's awesome. And two years later, you're driving the same car, but the feeling's gone because you've had hedonic adaptation. You've now habitualized yourself into that circumstance and it's not really that special anymore. People who say, boy, if I lived in Hawaii, I'd be happy every day. Well, there's a certain amount of hedonic adaptation that's going to happen there. And you're going to be like, I got to get off this island because people in Hawaii take vacation. But I think what's interesting about it is things will never make you happy long term. You will adapt and it will just become a regular part of your life where you just get used to it. You're like, I, I really want a house. I want a house. I want a house. Caitlin on our staff just got a new house. 
And right now she's really, really excited about it. She's like, I can't believe I lived in an apartment all those years. I don't know why I didn't do this five years before. But five years from now, she'll be like, yeah, it's just a house. We got to mow the yard. We got to take care of the grass. We have to fix the things that break. And you don't think about where you used to live. You adapt to where you're living now. And it just becomes part of your environment. It's like you might get a really nice piece of art and you hang it on the wall. And the first week or two you walk by it, you're like, man, that, that, that looks good. That's awesome. I really admire that. And then after a while, you walk by it every day and then you have hedonic adaptation. And then it's just on the wall and you just go by. And then a friend comes over and says, wow, that's really cool. What's that? And you're like, oh, that, that, that's, so I got that like a year ago. Now, there is something called, and this is also really important, and this will set you free if you let it. There's something called the 10-50-40 rule. And I use this with my clients all the time. 50% of your happiness levels are because of your heredity, genetic predisposition, and your happy set point, which comes from your parents. So you have a set point of happiness based on the environment you grew up in and how happy or unhappy your parents were. That's half of your current happy makeup. 10%, now this is because of hedonic adaptation, 10% of your happiness is because of your current circumstance. So the fallacy is, well, if I just moved to Las Vegas, I'd be happy. We're really, that only accounts for 10% of your current happiness. After about a few years, you'd be like, well, maybe it's San Francisco. <laughs> maybe it's uh, Los Angeles. Maybe it's Chicago. Because after a while, the common denominator of you takes over. You know, life in San Francisco is still life. And you're still you. So you're going to go back to your set point. When you start thinking about things making you happy, it only accounts for 10%. So it goes away pretty quickly when you're trying to satisfy yourself with stuff. 40% of your happiness is as a result of the things you are doing, working, and trying to be happy or within your control. So 40% of your happiness depends on your projects, your job, the things you're working on, accomplishments you're making. And there's this whole thing that I talked about the other day at the Central Missouri Eye Day where I was talking about technology. And this is a common question that gets asked when I present on all this technology that helps us. You know, the one guy raised his hand and I said, yeah, you have a question. He goes, yeah, what are we all going to do when all this artificial intelligence and all these computers take over and they replace our jobs and everything? What are we going to do then? Right here, this tells you 40% of your happiness is based on what are you working on. So work and projects and things of that nature are a big part of your happiness. And a lot of people work on things. They just have lost the desire. It's not fun anymore. And they try to replace it by thinking it's something else. But it's really you just need to find something to work on that gets you excited. And that could be a private project like painting or uh, photography, but you get a sense of fulfillment from working on projects like that. And that's at least 40% of your current happy state. So the thing you have to remember is that happiness is a choice. In just a minute, uh, in the next segment, I'm going to give you the 10 secrets that make happy people happy. And part of it is keeping yourself busy and keeping yourself active. 
when you close yourself off and seal yourself off from the outside world, you know, a lot of people say things like, if I could just like not have contact with anybody, I'd be happy. No, after a while, you would adapt to that and you'd say, man, I need, I need to get out of here. I need to see somebody, talk to somebody. So there's another book I want to recommend. This is by Sonia Lubermitsky. You spell her name S-O-N-J-A. So it looks like Sonja, but it's Sonia. And it's L-Y-U-B-O-M-I-N-S-K-Y. And it's called The How of Happiness. And you can find out a lot more about this book at um, howofhappiness.com. The last thing I want to throw in here is the researchers from the University of Sussex showed that exposing yourself to the color blue sent self-confidence, soaring, cut stress, and boost your happy state. They found that when people saw blue, their brain waves showed increased happiness. It's not money. So you think, boy, those one percenters that got all the money, I bet they're happy. Not necessarily. If you go back to the 50-40-10 rule, they may have a lot of green, but they need some blue. There's not a lot of difference between blue-collar workers and, and white-collar workers. The same effects happens to all human beings, the 50-40-10. Why do two different people reflect happiness and sad and they're in the same situation? One person's taking it in stride and the other person is not. And that's primarily the story you're telling yourself about the situation. Okay, so that's the difference between the science of happiness and positive psychology. I think if you study that 50-40-10 rule and you put that in effect in your life and you watch yourself and you journal that out over a week or two, I think you'll find that is really, really a powerful thing that you can use to leverage in your life to have a happier life. So coming up, I'm going to give you the 10 secrets of happy people and why they're so happy. And that's next on Better Than Before. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here. This is our home. Which means we care for customers like we care for the community. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here. Been here. And we will always be here for you. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. back to better than before and in this segment i'm going to give you the 10 secrets of why happy people are happy i think if you take these and you implement some of them i wouldn't say you have to implement all 10 but just pick out the one that works for you and i think you'll see some results from it if you will make it a habit in your life number one reason that happy people are happy is they have a sense of mission 
you might want to take out your journal. Uh, you know, I think journaling is a best practice. You take out your journal and write down the ideal story of your future. What are you aspiring to? What are you trying to accomplish? Research clearly shows the more you can set a mission for your life and let go of your past and live out of your future, the more optimistic and happy you will be. I put that on Facebook one time. Don't look back in your past. You don't live there anymore. You are always moving forward into the future and the only power we have is in the present. So if we spend some of the power we have now in this present moment designing and laying out our future the way we want it, we'll have a better chance of actually achieving that. When you're living out of something that is exciting like the future, you become engaged and you get happy thinking about what's going to happen and uh, you get more joyful. So you need to find out your future story. You can plot it out and write out the future story of your life. Pick up a pen and start doing it. I also said on Facebook one time, when you're writing the story of your life, don't give the pen to somebody else. It needs to be your story. You can conceptualize and visualize any kind of story you want going forward. But that's the story you need to tell yourself, and it will make a huge difference. Number two, you need a strong social network. And I'm not talking about social media. I'm talking about real life, living, breathing human beings to converse with. You have to work at nurturing relationships with live people, not on chat rooms, not on Twitter, not in Facebook. And those things are fine, but you need the companionship and friendship of real live human beings. They did a study where both groups were asked to do five acts of kindness and one group over seven days, and one group over one day. And the group that was asked to do the acts over one day had an immense increase in happiness. They did a bunch of kind things for people. And so you can do that more easily if you know folks. And if you have deeper relationships with them, you know what makes them happy. And when you do something to make somebody else happy, you automatically get the boomerang effect of being happy as well. Number three is being physically fit. And so I would just say on the, I mean, I've struggled with this my whole life, uh, ever since not being an athlete anymore, especially gaining some pounds and not being as flexible as I used to be. And, you know, what I would say though, is just move your body some, move it on a daily basis, make some kind of commitment to move around and get some exercise, walk around the block, get outside, do some stretching, buy a treadmill, whatever you need to do, but don't be too sedentary. I mean, get up, move around, stretch yourself, and then work yourself into a steady workout program, but don't go nuts right away because you'll send yourself into chaos and stress and pain and you'll say you're never doing that again. So take it easy and build yourself up over time and flex your body. It, it feels good to do that. Number four reason why happy people are happy is gratitude. Uh, Robert Inmans did a research group who wrote down five things they were grateful for five times a week over 10 weeks. And they were way more happy and optimistic than people who don't do that. You know, for years, I've had a best practice with my clients to ask them to complete a gratitude list. I've got a gratitude list that I add to in my journal all the time. My main gratitude list is on a document that's in the cloud so I can get it on my laptop, on my iPad, on my iPhone, wherever I need it. 
And so when bad things happen or I'm having a bad day, I can look at my gratitude list and it immediately flips my attitude because the things that are on my gratitude list are far more important than whatever is bothering me today. Number five reason why happy people are happy, savor life. You know, you just make time on a regular basis to enjoy life's simple pleasures. A beautiful sky, a thunderstorm is a wonder, you know, watching the lightning and the clouds and uh, the rain that falls all the way from the top of the sky to the floor of the ground, a nice cup of coffee, another person. People are really, really interesting and you can just savor and appreciate the time you have with people walking on the trail, taking a bicycle ride um, in the fall and winter. If it's too bad to do that, you know, maybe take a take take a virtual tour online. You know, Sarah was here last week talking about virtual reality. Um, doing that obviously has good effects on people and their happiness. Have conversations with people. Schedule some time to savor life. And the things that get scheduled, obviously, are the things that get done. So if you don't make time for it, you're not going to do it. So make some time to just appreciate and savor life. Number six reason why happy people are happy is they have a commitment to being helpful. And so they volunteer. This can be formal or informal. You can formally volunteer at an organization. You can informally volunteer to help a neighbor or a friend or something. You, you know, you, you find out somebody's going through some tragedy or hit some rough spots. You can take them a meal. You can, you know, bless them in some way. But being committed to being helpful will be awesome. You know, I know people buy coffee for people they don't know that are behind them in line at Starbucks. One of my favorite things that I like to do is if I can be somewhere where I'm having breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and I see somebody I know, and we say hi, and we're cordial, I just pick up their bill. And I tell the server, I say, don't, don't tell them until I'm gone, because like, I don't want them to try to reverse it and pay. So it's just wonderful. The next time I see them, it's like, man, I appreciate you buying my dinner the other night, you know, or whatever. I'm like, oh, just trying to be helpful. So do something nice for somebody. Your life is often defined by how you give and what you give and who do you give to. And outstanding leaders do give. I know that. So giving and having a commitment to helpfulness is an awesome way to keep yourself happy. Number seven, practice optimism. One of the ways you can do this is you can do positive affirmations. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Decisions are made in the head and commitments are made in the heart. You can say a lot of things in your head, but it needs to get down into your heart because that's where your commitment switch is. A lot of times when you do affirmations, especially ones about being happy, I'm happy, I'm helpful, and I have a great attitude. And you say it until it gets down in your heart and you really believe it. And then you start becoming more positive and more optimistic. You practice optimism. It's just way too easy, folks. And we've all done it. I'm here to confess to you that I have played the victim before. And it's way too easy to play the victim. But what you do when you play the victim is you disempower yourself. When you talk about your problems just over and over and over and over, and when you meet somebody new, it's a new opportunity to talk about your problems over and over and over, and you start noticing that people are avoiding you because they don't want to hear your problems over and over and over. 
It's just too easy to be a victim. I've worked on my mom on this quite a bit. And even to the point where, let's say they had a storm down in Kentucky where they live. She would call me and she'd be saying, well, honey, we, we lost power last night. And I said, oh, mom, did you really? Did you lose power? She goes, oh, I'm sorry. We lost our electricity. No, we're still powerful. Because I've told her, I'm like, you're not powerless. You have the ability and the talent and the power to do anything you want. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter about your physical condition. Don't disempower yourself. And when you become a victim, you disempower yourself. You take all your options and all your ability away. There are very few true victims in this world. Uh, that's when you're completely powerless. And my mom's like, well, we're, we're not powerless. We just don't have electricity. I'm like, well, that's good, mom. That's good. You got it. Don't be a victim. Don't recite your problems over and over. Be about solutions and figuring out what I need to do. Your figure it out factor needs to go up. So any situation you get into, you know the answer or you know somebody who can help and give you the answer and be optimistic. Number eight is develop coping tools. Journal is my favorite coping tool where I just get out and do a brain dump. That helps me cope with whatever's going on, pouring out my pain. You know, I'd rather pour out my pain in a journal than on somebody else. There's nothing wrong with doing that, and some people are really good about it. Some people you don't want to do it with because they're just going to turn around and reflect your pain on somebody else or gossip about you or something. And you got to be careful who you pour out your pain to, and I can trust my journal. My journal isn't going to go tell anybody. Although I think, you know, therapy is good. Uh, if you are at that place where you need it, it's wonderful. It can help you with that if you've got some chronic, uh, severe emotional pain. But you get it out of your system is the main point there. Get it out of your system, get it out of you, and get it down on paper or get it out in the open so that you can feel better. Talk to a trusted advisor. I mean, I get a lot of pain from my clients uh, because they're making difficult decisions. They're working in the marketplace, which is a place where it's difficult to navigate sometimes. They have high expectations from their staff. They have high expectations from their board of director, directors. And so sometimes just having a trusted advisor to talk to, uh, I create value there because I take that pain and I channel it in a healthy direction to help them out. And get all that suffering out, you know, get it out, get it out. Develop coping tools, reframe your difficult times to more positive times and turn it around and grow from it. Number nine reason that happy people are happy is they're committed to growing, growing themselves. You'll be happiest when you on a consistent basis are growing and voyaging out into uncomfortable areas. There's the feel good hurt. Sometimes that feel-good hurt is physical. Sometimes it's emotional. But when you start doing anything new, you're obviously not going to be good at it right away. And it's going to be a little painful and feel a little awkward. But the more you do it, the more you habituate to it, the more you work that out, that's a good thing. You leave your safe harbor and you venture out into growth. Go to programs, read blogs, listen to our stuff. We're always providing tools and tips to help you grow. The things that you don't use are not going to help you. So if you have skills and gifts and talents that you're not using, then they're not going to help you. You might as well not have them. And you've heard the old adage, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And that's absolutely true. A skill or gifting that you have that could be honed 
to high potential performance, you'll never get the benefit of it and you will rob other people from the benefit of it too. And then number 10, why happy people are happy. Number 10 is you got to count your blessings. Martin Seligman, I talked about earlier, Dr. Seligman, proved that people who wrote down three good things that happened to them every night, so that day they said, I'm going to write down three good things that happened to me were significantly happier than other people. They don't even have to be really important. You know, it could be that somebody smiled at you. It could be that you remembered to buy everything on your list at the store uh, it could be that somebody lets you into traffic. It doesn't have to be this huge celebratory thing. Just three good things that happened to you today. And as you think about them, it rehearses your mind and it causes you to develop a habit of expecting at least three good things to happen because you're looking for it because you're wanting to put it into your list every night. And it just puts you in a little bit different viewpoint and framework to be happy. So I got three action steps for you. If you're not in the happiest place right now, or you probably are going to find yourself at some point in an unhappy place, we all do, how can you get out? Well, here's three quick action steps for you. Number one, I want you to think about the happiest person you've ever met, and I want you to write down five things about them that you noticed. What's the five things about them that made them that way that you noticed that you could put into a list? Number two, Pull out your journal, and if you don't have one, go buy one today. Get a journal and write down your ideal future story. I think that's a powerful one. How do you want life to be for you? Because you're the only one that can decide if that's what you want and have expected. You don't want to live somebody else's life. If somebody else's life takes a left turn, that may or may not disappoint you. Probably won't. But if your life takes a left turn, it's going to disappoint you. So you need to be very clear on what it is that you expect. How do you want life to go for you? You might say, well, you just setting me up for disappointment. No, I'm trying to help you avoid disappointment and get on a path where you'll be a lot happier because your expectations are clearer and in a more positive way. And finally, the third action step is what's keeping you from living your fullest and happiest life, and which one of the 10 things I just gave you are you not doing? Because that might be your key right there. Which one of the 10 secrets of why happy people are happy are you not doing today? I would immediately start doing that one because that's probably the key to turning your attitude and your happy state around. So that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, we're looking for 55-star reviews by the end of the year. So we'd like for you to click on that five-star. We'd like for you to give us a review on how you think we're doing with the Better Than Before podcast. And if you subscribe, it'll go directly to the device that you use to listen to podcasts. And you'll get a little ding and a message saying a new episode is available. We surely appreciate your support and your listenership. We want to have the best show we possibly can so thank you very much for the feedback in advance we're sponsored by university subaru from here been here always will be here university subaru your truly locally owned dealer this is tony richards saying we'll see you again next week on better than before and don't forget everything gets better when you get better thank you for listening to better than before with tony richards 
a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.